Hey everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you guys about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge down to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off your $50 or more purchase on their website and on their app. Use the promo code BSN10 to save $10 off your $50 or more purchase for all of your parties and events and have it delivered straight to your door. Now let's jump into the show. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Going to work crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one-on-two. And Jost. The best avalanche coverage in Denver. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast on a fun Friday. Coming to you live from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Avalanche playoff edition. Hey, we lost the first game, but it's all right. We're going to have some fun on this podcast. Talk about a little bit about game one, some rehash there, and, and uh, go inside the locker room today, how the Avalanche plan to Make amends in game two. I'm your host, Adrian Dater. We're going to do a solo podcast today. I'm, I'm in Calgary covering the series for BSN Denver. We are sponsored today by Total Beverage, the absolutely the best beverage outlet in Colorado. We all know this as BSN listeners, but if you're a first-time listener and you want to know the best deals in Colorado for your for all your beverage needs, Go to TotalBev.com. You can get all your favorite libations, all beverages of your choice, soft drinks, whatever. If it's in liquid form, Total Beverage has it. They will deliver it right to your door, too. Same-day delivery in Colorado. You can just go on TotalBev.com, make your selections. Oh, and by the way, we have $10 off for you. Just use the promo code BSN10. Order $50 or more of beverages from the website and you'll get that $10 discount. $50 will become $40. Do it today. Go to totalbev.com. Use the promo code BSN10. That discount is yours. Alcohol delivered right to your door, folks. Is this a great country or what? Okay, well, listen, folks, we lost game one uh, and uh, it was a shutout. The Avalanche lose game one to the Calgary Flames last night here at the Saddle Dome. 4 nothing Shout out to 37-year-old goalie Mike Smith. He's, uh, he's older than, uh, you know, some, uh, some, some dirt that I have in my closet. He's older than many clothes in my closet, which is saying something. I'm 54. Um, it was, uh, it was a rough start. Let's not kid ourselves. It was, didn't go the way, didn't go the way I thought it would. I thought the Avalanche would 
I thought the Avalanche would sneak out game one. They didn't do it. Uh, we're going to go through some of the reasons why here on this uh, on this podcast. Uh, it's going to be one of those inside the locker room podcasts, too, where we bring you some audio from, from today's uh, – after today's practice. It was an optional practice. But uh, I've got some interviews for you to uh, to listen to. We're going to make some comments on that, too. Jared Bednar held forth with the media uh, and gave his thoughts on what went wrong in Game 1 and what he plans to do about it for Game 2. Got a little brief talk with Miko Rantanen, who made his return last night from injury and, quite frankly, uh, looked like he hadn't played in three weeks. So we're going to go through that. And... Uh, I also have a uh, couple minutes with Semyon Varlamov talking about just how difficult it is for him to be sitting on the bench right now. Um, he's talking about a guy who's been with this organization for eight years. Um, he's only played seven playoff games for this team. Don't forget he, he was injured last year in the playoffs and couldn't play, despite the fact that he really was probably the biggest reason why they got into the playoffs at all with his play down the stretch. Now he finds himself the backup uh, in a playoff series that he's healthy for. So it's a tough, uh, it's a tough story. I uh, Varley's, you know, it's only a brief interview, but uh, you know he he'll go through his, some answers there that will you know be kind of uh, you know human in in the way that they that I thought it was. You know, it's just really tough for him. So uh, there's an article I posted on bsndenver.com that's up there too. That, in written form so let's get to it shall we uh friday podcast here in calgary i want to also thank my airbnb host here airbnb uh i got a nice uh let's see i've got a nice penthouse apartment to myself about 65 bucks a night four day total of about 280 and uh couldn't be happier 260 actually it's uh it's a it's a penthouse it's got a it's, it's like living in your own apartment for uh, for 65 bucks a night. It's great. Uh, Airbnb is the way to go. <laughs> the other media in, in town I know are here are spending uh, three times that for for perfunctory hotel rooms in uh, Calgary. So hey, if that's the way they want to do it. Uh, just so you know, our, your subscription money does not go to waste here at BSN Denver. We are not spending it on hotel rooms that uh, we should, we don't need to be in. So let's get to it. Uh, item number one on the agenda, I guess, is to talk about a little bit about last night's game and and uh, you know what went wrong. I mean, honest to God, folks, I thought it was uh, a pretty good start for the Avs. You know. Uh, anytime you're scoreless after one period, it's uh, it's on the road. It's 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 a good thing, especially on the road in a playoff game. It's a good thing. And yet, there was a feeling that I had watching the game in the press box last night, just looking down from the. And you have a really great seat in the Saddle Dome, by the way. It's one of the last really good seats you have as a press person in hockey in any arena in pro sports. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty much right over the ice. Uh, you're, you're pretty high up, but you're also looking straight down on the ice. You can really get a good view of things. And what I came away with while watching it was, well, was like, gosh, the avalanche keep, you know, frittering away opportunities here. I mean, it, 
definitely seemed like Calgary was nervous to start the game and they weren't quite in sync. They hadn't been played. I don't think they'd played a game in five days. Uh, and same pretty much for the Avalanche too. But, you know, they looked a little nervous as the home team. And I thought there was an opportunity there to, for, to take a quick early lead. And, uh, and the Avs did do it. And I felt like after that first period was over, you know, the Avs had missed an opportunity. Even though, you know, we wanted to paint it, you know, as a positive thing, it was scoreless. You had the feeling that there was a, a chance that had gotten by the boards there. I mean, they had a couple power plays in that first period and couldn't do much of anything. They were disorganized, couldn't get shots through, or they just wouldn't take shots. I mean, one of the biggest things I harped on in my story last night was just how the Avalanche kept not shooting the puck. You know, the, the play of catch between Tyson Berry and Nathan McKinnon that we've seen before, it almost never works well when they just sort of pass the puck back and forth like Two or three times. Whenever that happens, it seems like the Avs are, are not, um, you know, they don't have a real plan for the for things going forward. It's like, okay, you take it. No, I don't want it. You take it. All right, all right, I'll give it back to you. You take it. And you know, when McKinnon did shoot it, those first couple times they were blocked. Uh, Barry didn't have any steam on any of his shots all night long. He broke his stick on one shot. I remember. Um, and so after that first period was over, I thought, uh huh, you know, they, they've let a chance slip. And you kind of worry in that situation, like, okay, Calgary's feeling fortunate there. They're going to get their act together, get their uh, wits about them, and, 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 and uh, take advantage of that. And that's what they did. They scored two second period goals, uh, one on a real weird, just sort of keeping with it kind of play in front of the net. They get the goal there where, you know, Gruby was kind of kept uh, sort of flailing around, trying to stay with the play. Finally, he finally goes down. That's open score. Uh, and then, uh, then the, then the Matthew could check tip in goal with one Oh two left in the second period. That was a killer. Uh, he's, he's even better than his old man is Matthew could that a tipping Pucks. I mean, Keith Kachuk was one of the very best tippers in the league, and I'm not talking about 20% on his tab at the, at the bar at the end of the game. Well, Harry was a pretty good partier back in the day. He was a master deflector. He was a great tipper in front of the net, and uh, but Matthew's taking it to a whole nother level. I mean, they showed off sort of a clip of some of his tipping goals last night on uh, one of the TV channels here. And, I mean, it was at least... Uh, seven or eight of them that were really good ones and uh last night's last night's tip was 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 another i mean he kind of reaches across his body it tips it in the play was reviewed it was reviewed for goaltender interference it wasn't for a high stick uh it was determined that uh that there was not enough goaltender interference and it was the right call he kind of Held uh, Grubauer's stick for maybe a millisecond prior to the to play developing, but by the time the shot got off, he was not in contact with the goalie, um, and uh, it was a good goal. It was a great tip. The Avalanche, I think, you know, 
they they sort of battled in the third period, but it was I, I really felt like that 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 goal by Kachuk sort of ended their you know morale a little bit in the game. It just kind of fell apart in a sense that they just couldn't quite uh, come out with any kind of real uh, confidence. It didn't seem like so. So the Avs lose game one. Um, it's 75, but that, that's not a good result for the Avs, and I'll tell you why. Uh, 75% of the time when home teams win the first game, they go on to win the series. That's the all-time Stanley Cup playoff numbers. That's just the, the fact. Uh, when road teams win... Game one of a playoff series in, in Stanley Cup playoff history, they've gone on to win 52% of the time. So it's still, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big thing to win that game one. It doesn't always mean you're going to win as a road team when you win game one, but it certainly ups the odds when you win as the home team. And so now, you know, Calgary did it. Now uh, history is staring up at the face with 75% odds. I think we'd all take those odds. In a casino, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna jump into the ne- the first segment here where uh, Jared Bednar addresses more of his thoughts on the on the game last night. This is from the Scrum Media today that was held in some you know one of those suburban ice rinks that's about you know 28 miles from the city. Uh, you know, a couple three or four rinks, uh, nice coffee shop, etc. Uh, etc. Et gift shop. One of those places is like Family Sports Center. Even even much bigger, though. I think even Hockey Canada has some offices there. I know Joe Sackick was shaking hands with one of the guys from Hockey Canada uh, after the practice today. So so let's jump into the, the Bednar scrum. He will talk about what he saw from Game 1, what he hopes to see from Game 2. He's being asked about his lineup for Game 2. He did say that there could be some changes. Maybe we'll talk about that more uh, coming out of the break, but uh, when the uh, when the Bednar audio segment is over, we'll jump into our first break. I'll come back after that, react a little bit to that, and uh, get to segment two. Talk uh, maybe a little bit about Miko Randon, and uh, we'll do that right after this message. And we have to make sure that we do a better job on our forecheck and in offenses on the play of possessing the puck. You know, I know it's. It's easier said than done because they'll clamp down on you with five guys. But we got to find a way to get the puck moving in the offensive zone and then get some more traffic in front of us. Yeah, important to get one on him early to get that sort of feeling out of your head. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we're there yet. But I I think, yeah, getting an early one would be great. I think, uh, you know, we made it a little bit easy on him last night. He did make some big saves off the rush and and in a couple different situations. But... Too many times we allowed him to see the puck and, and establish his position, and I think we can get a little bit more traffic there will help. Um, but that starts with you know getting the puck back on the forecheck and, and also being able to uh, possess the puck in the offensive zone. We just weren't skating like we normally do in the offensive zone and taking both the nices available to us. So that's the biggest thing for me. I thought on the defensive side of it last night, I felt like we were pretty good. And looking back on it, I thought we did some really good things there. I mean, they got the one off a of four check and a down low play to the net, and that's their one five on five tool, right? So we made a mistake on that one. Um, we also got to capitalize on our chances a little bit. We had some odd bad rushes in the 
different shots on that. So those are all things that we've looked at, talked about today, and um, we have to be a little more opportunistic on some of those chances and have a little more shot mentality. But we have to get to that to get to get our possession when you look at the way Tyson and Derek Broussard played last night, um, I mean, is there a kind of a thought for you to maybe shuffle lines and move things around, or are you still going to keep them from game one? Yeah, no, we, we'll, we're thinking about shuffling some things around. You know, um, it's difficult just to assess it in one game, I think, for me, because I didn't like a handful of our forwards, and we all know creating offense is a five-man job, never mind a three-man job, and if you got to – if you got a guy nodded his best on each line, it takes away from the line. So we expect some of those guys to be better. We've had some meetings this morning. I think the, you know our guys are pretty have a pretty good, uh, accurate um, assessment of last night's game and the way they played as individuals and, and some of the things that we weren't really great at as a team. So that's positive. We all feel like we can be better in certain areas, and, and we'll, we'll look to do that tomorrow. <coughs> In terms of being better coach, is that sort of a game one nerves a little bit? Yeah, I, I think there is some nerves involved with it. Um, but, you know, I like their start. You know, you, I said it last night, we enter a uh, energized building, we're playing an energized team, checked the right way, did, you know, did the right things on the defensive side of the puck, which is what we wanted. I think you, if you're coming into a building like that in game one and the game zero, zero through 34, 35 minutes, you'd be pretty happy with it, you know? Uh, we, Especially with some of the opportunities we had in the second to, to score some goals. But Smith was up to the task. We were finding a way to beat him. And again, that kind of goes through some of the traffic. Uh, our push in the third period wasn't great, though, when they got up and up and they didn't come out in the third. With the same sort of hunger that I expect from our team and the, the hunger that we saw down the stretch against teams like St. Louis, Winnipeg, uh, teams that are also big, heavy teams that come at you hard. And we were just better in, in some of those areas. So I think we have another level to, to get to just even the way we played down the stretch, and then it's got to go up again for the playoffs. So we, we got a step or two to take here for, for when you do put Ranton in back with McKinnon and Linus Scott, what goes into the decision of the timing of reuniting those three? Well, I was watching Miko play and, the, and their their line, although those lines were good on the defensive side of the puck, we didn't get a lot going on the offensive side of things. Um, again, we, we had some what I call passengers or guys that weren't at their best last night. So you try to get guys back together based on their history and based on what they're doing that night. And, Landy and, and, and Mac were both pretty good, and Miko started to come on as the game went on. So uh, knocked a little bit of rust off his game probably in the first 30 minutes, and he was getting better, and I just felt like maybe those guys could have an impact, so I popped him back together. Might be too far out to, to divulge, but is that a trail you're looking for in game two? Uh, no, I haven't decided yet. Coach, there was a noticeable shift in the body language of your team heading in later portions of the game, especially from some of your leaders. Did it concern you at all to see the, that kind of negative shift that, that occurred? Well, I didn't like it. It doesn't concern me based on my meetings this morning. You know, I think our team is still a confident team. I think we, we know that this is a challenge. Um, our mindset has to be that nothing's going to come easy in this series. And if we're prepared for that and we feel like we can be better as individuals and as a group tomorrow night, then that, that's an encouraging thing for me. I think they believe we can. I think they believe we can win the game. 
Um, I think they're eager to go prove that that wasn't our best and that we have more to give, and, and that's what we'll expect tomorrow night, and then we'll see where the, where the chips land. Looking back at the film, I mean, what was more of your thoughts on Philip and how he performed, given that there were times the attack kind of struggled to find consistency? Yeah, you know what? I like to start similar to our team, you know. Uh, we've seen him play better, but he was good at times. Uh, you know, they get the 2 nothing lead. I think he's doing everything he's, he can at that point. They get a great tip off the power play goal. They get the net drive on the 5-on-5 five five goal um, in reverse order. Uh, I didn't like the third power play goal where it looked like it kind of surprised him, but that's late in the game already, so we weren't generating enough to win the game at that point. So I think he, he gave us a chance, certainly, at 0-0 through 34, 35 minutes, and we had some opportunities to take the lead, and he was making big saves, same as Smith, to, to keep it at that score. Um, so Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing, and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. And welcome back in segment number two of the BSN Avalanche podcast on a Friday from Calgary playoff edition. Brought to you as always by Total Beverage, Colorado's best beverage store. Go to TotalBev.com, throw in the promo code BSN10, get yourself $10 off. A $50 or more purchase, have it delivered right to your door. Do it now, and you will be very happy about this. So Jared Bednar there, last segment. You know, you heard him talk about how the Avalanche need to be more aggressive, get pucks deep, create some traffic. This is what always coaches always say, right, when they get shut out, the team's struggling. Uh, you know, I think f- the more interesting thing that came out of game one was how disappointed Bednar was with certain guys on the team. He called them passengers, and that's never a good thing when a coach calls you that as a player. He Definitely was not happy with some of the effort level of his some of his forwards last night. I think he was pretty happy with the defense overall last night. Like I said in the in the interview there, he he didn't have a big problem with his defense last night. You know, some guys you know occasionally miss a thing here or there, but uh, you know overall the defensive game was pretty solid. Five on five, the uh, Flames only got one goal. That was the the weird first goal. Uh, otherwise, there was two power play goals. And the empty netter. So, 
Jared Bednar did not have a problem with the defense. He did have a lot of problems with the offense last night and the forwards. And you know, we'll just we'll just he didn't name any names, but let's let's go down through some of the lists. I mean, uh, you know, number one, Miko Rantanen was was rusty. He uh, did not look like he had played in three weeks in those first two periods. Uh, I know the Avalanche said some nice things about him. Bednar said him about how he looked in the third. Really though, it was a it was a pretty terrible game for Rantanen. A uh, little surprised by that. I was thinking, you know, if you've been spending three weeks rehabbing and you're coming to a playoff series, I would have thought he'd have a little more zest to his game, maybe, or just, you know, fight and just excitement to be back. But it, it looked like he was just kind of tentative and nervous out there for some reason. And I, you know, I think he knows that. And I think he knows that he, he was terrible in game one. And, uh, you know, in the next... Uh, Toward the end of this segment, we're going to hear from Miko for a couple minutes, so you can hear from his voice himself. But, uh, you know, Randon was bad, yet, you know, Bednar, when he talks about effort level and uh, passengers, I mean, I think he's talking about some guys here, and I think Tyson Joseph's won. He had a bad opening game, only played seven-plus minutes as a fourth-liner, and I know you're going to say, well, he's only a fourth-liner, he's not supposed to play a lot, but, you know, Tyson Joseph is the kind of player where, Bednar's going to give him the extra ice time if he feels like he's going. And uh, I feel like, I know he didn't think he was going last night, so he got the minimal ice time. He could have had, you know, 12 minutes if he thought, you know, if Bednar thought he was playing pretty well, I'm sure he would have gotten 12, 13 minutes. Instead, he got seven. It was totally ineffective. You know, he's he has not been as uh, dynamic down the stretch as I had, had hoped. He has he's a streaky player. It's clear right now. You know, from a body of work, Jared uh, Tyson Joseph is a streaky player. He did score a goal in the final game of the year in San Jose, uh, but uh, you know, not a uh, not a not a memorable showing for him last night. Matt Nieto was a no show last night. Uh, just not involved in anything whatsoever. Um, Matt Nieto is never going to be your leading man on a night offensively, probably. But, uh, you know, somehow he's got to figure out a way to make himself more of a, a difference maker in this series. I mean, he just can't go out there and just sort of skate around and, you know, not even touch the puck. He's got to got to get in there and jam on the boards. That, that line of theirs has got to figure out a way to control the puck more and, and cycle. I mean... You know, I felt like the Avs had very little grind time down low in, uh, in the Calgary zone. I felt like they possessed the puck a lot, especially in the coming out breakouts and in the neutral zone, but they just couldn't sustain anything in the Calgary end much much of the time. And uh, Nieto was, was a guy who was part of that. You know, JT Confer got some good notices from some people, but uh, I didn't think JT Confer was very good last night. I'll give him a D. Um he was a minus two. He only played 12 minutes. It's got to be a real pest. I mean, he should be the Matthew Kachuk type of guy in a way toward the flames that Kachuk is. And I'm not. I'm not saying he's got to get 70 points like Matthew Kachuk does, but he's got to be more of a agitator. Uh, I really do feel like JT Confer is a great player when it comes to tight game situations. He's got a nose for that puck. He likes to be in there making plays, but he, he gets lost a little bit at times, five on five and in scoreless situations, or um, he's still looking for that kind of right kind of balance between being a, 
an opportunistic clutch guy and just a really steady, consistently good player offensively. Um, And tonight, last night he got lost in the shuffle, I thought. you know, um, you know they got shut out as a team last night. So I'm not gonna say every anybody was really good offensively. But uh, you know, when people when Bednar's talking about his disappointment, I mean, I think Colin Wilson f- probably fits in that category too. He was, uh, you know, just kind of out there running around. It didn't really uh, contribute much of uh, anything in the way of tangible stuff. So, you know, it's uh, the Avalanche. My criticism from last night was they didn't shoot the puck enough. I mean, I just, uh, I thought they just did not shoot the puck enough. Uh, enough, You know, I'm sick of these uh, power plays where Barry and McKinnon play catch with each other. That's always the sign of a bad power play with them. Uh, the second power play unit was god-awful, too. Uh, Sam Gerrard had a bad night, I thought, offensively. He was just not very good with the puck, uh, especially on those power play situations, that second unit out there. You know, uh, boy, they were terrible. I mean, they couldn't even just set up, you know. At least the first unit could get set up at times and make make some attempts, but uh, that second unit was brutal. Uh, Jared Bednar did talk about he may change something up. I mean... The only forward healthy scratch from the game one was Sven Andrigetto. So if if we're talking about any changes personnel-wise, I guess Andrigetto is going to come in for someone. I, I'll tell you what, I was around Andrigetto today after the a practice, and he was not happy. Uh, he is not a happy camper right now. And, you know, I'm not saying that he's a malcontent. He's just uh, he's not happy. He's not playing, period. And we're gonna we're gonna hear more about that from Semyon Varlamov in our next segment. But uh, you know, guys want to play. Andrew Ghetto did some nice things down the stretch. I was mildly surprised that he was scratched. Uh, you know, but Gabriel Bork got uh, got the start. He almost scored a goal in the first period. So <laughs> Benar would look good there, but he didn't. Bork didn't do a darn thing after that. Um, I I I if I had to bet. You know, I think that, uh, you know, I, if I had to bet, I would say Ghetto may come in tomorrow and maybe just scratch Bork. I mean, it, Bork's, Bork's kind of the obvious guy to, to maybe get the night off. Um, and, you know, especially when Calgary scoring two power play goals, too, like they did. Uh, you know, Bork's part of that PK group. And, uh, you know, anytime you get scored on twice, then Bednar's, that's going to give Bednar an excuse to, uh, to maybe scratch you. Um, so, so maybe Andrew Ghetto comes in. We'll find out at skate tomorrow. But uh, either way, there's not a lot, a whole lot of options. You know, if he talked about changes to the lines, yeah, we'll probably we'll probably see a shuffling of the lines. I mean, uh, one of the things that I thought was weird. I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess what I would advocate is starting the game with the big three together, letting those guys. See what happens. I mean, they Bednar obviously moved them back together toward the second half of the game. Um, that that's my hunch. You know, maybe get Kerfoot off there. Kerfoot, I thought had a a weird night. I mean, he, he had some chances. He he had another two on one, but of course he opted to make the really difficult pass across the ice on a saucer pass 
which are really hard for people to corral and do anything with. Uh, he should have just shot the puck. Carl Soderberg did the same thing. Carl Soderberg was mysteriously really bad last night. Um, don't know what happened to Carl, but boy, was he bad. He took a penalty. He muffed a two-on-one attempt. He was, you know, weirdly slow at the, all over the ice. He just, uh, something was off with Carl last night. And I don't know, it cost the team, so... But uh, Kerfoot, I thought, was, you know, a little too pass-happy again. Um, something seemed a little off with him last night as far as being on that top line in a primetime situation. I think it's it's time to go back to Miko uh, McKinnon and uh, Landeskog. And, and, you know, you're healthy otherwise. So, so put, you know, put Kerfoot down there with maybe Comfort. And, and uh, you know, I don't know. I... <laughs> I feel like Tyson Jones still is the most chance for you to score a goal, even though he does it very inconsistently. You know, I don't know. I feel like you've got to put your best players out there to score any goals. When you get shut out like that last night, that's a sign that, you know, it didn't work last night. So let's try something new. Let's. I, I would personally use Jost with Kerfoot and Confer again, see what the college line can do again, and uh, maybe move Nieto back with Soderberg. And uh, those two have had good chemistry before. Maybe try to play a little bit more of a really pack it in defensive game and just score. I mean, if they if they could just get a power play goal and make them it easier on themselves, that would certainly help. Tyson Barry was way too indecisive last night, uh, holding on to the puck too long. One of those nights where he just wasted too much time with the puck. And his shot was ineffective. So. Uh, you know, Eric Johnson wasn't wasn't great either. Uh, he didn't play on the power play, but you know Sam Gerrard what did, and he was not very good. So I tell you what, I keep advocating moving Johnson onto uh, Gerrard's spot on the power play. So far, uh, Jared Bednar does not take my advice on that, but uh, to me, I want a good hard right hand shot on a power play. Uh, Sam Gerrard. Uh, a is not right-handed. B does not have a very hard slap shot. So, you know, uh, did work last night. Maybe that'll be in the cards for game two. We'll see. Um, you know, biggest thing to me is uh, got to get the top guys to score a goal. I mean, Landeskog was pretty quiet. Mac was running around and pretty active and deacon a lot. But uh, at the end of the day, nothing on the score sheet. Uh, hopefully, maybe I think Miko may just need to play with those two guys and, and get some more confidence back that way. I'm not sure Miko's going to get the, the same confidence level playing on a line with you know Colin Wilson. So uh, that's my hunch. What's going to happen? We'll see at the skate. But uh, let's hear from Miko here in the uh, to finish out the second segment on the BSN Analyze podcast. Brought to you by Total Beverage. And. Uh... Third period starts feeling a, bit, a little bit better. I got onto the puck a little bit more and uh, got more puck touches. So it's, uh, I think it's uh, from the third period we have to build uh, as a team too. But uh, I think uh, thinking of team effort, I think we had chances to win the game. You know, the first goal is always important. I think we had a lot of chances to get that, but uh, it's too late for now to say that. But uh, now we just have to refocus more. Feel okay physically and out there? Yeah, I actually felt. Played a, played a lot of minutes and felt pretty good, so uh, it's good. Uh, game two is going to be better, for sure. Talk about the chances that you guys have. 
does this team now start bearing down on those and Yeah, I think yeah, obviously the Smith made some good saves too. Like we obviously try our best to score, but uh, he was he was playing a good game too last night, so we can have to give credit to him a little bit too. But I think we can get a little bit more hungrier in the net. We didn't get a lot of rebound chances, you know. They always cleared, cleared to park or something like that. So uh, we have to get a little bit, two two guys in front of the net and uh, trying to bang away. So I think that's that's the key in the playoff. You, you guys had those three early power plays. In game two, how key is it to you know capitalize on those? I think it's big. You saw last night they uh, they scored two power play goals and uh, one five on five, and that's the game for them. You know, when you get four chances, you have to at least have to to get one, you know. So, uh, uh, so as a unit, we can for sure talk about that tomorrow more and uh, try to figure out what we can do maybe better. So, but uh, I, I believe in our group, and uh, I think we're gonna do it tomorrow. You're with Linus Gog and McKinnon for the third period. Is there just a sense of comfort or familiarity with the chemistry you guys have with what you've been able to accomplish this season? Obviously, when you play play with the guys you played most of the season, it helps helps with the chemistry stuff. But uh, we have a lot of a lot of good players, and uh, all, every line is, is, is doing their own part. So uh, it doesn't doesn't really matter who we play with. You have to do your own job and uh, try to try to help the team as best as you can. Thank you. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. And welcome back for segment number three of the BSN Avalanche podcast on a fun Friday from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I'm your host, Adrian Dater. We're going to do segment number three here. We just heard from Miko Randon to finish out segment two. Want to remind you that we're brought to you here by Total Beverage, the best Colorado beverage store by far. Go to totalbev.com, throw in the promo code BSN10, get yourself $10 off an order of $50 or more, delivered right to your door. You can't beat that, folks. Okay, so we heard from Rantanen. He was rusty in game one. He clearly was uh, not a very effective player, but he did come on a little bit toward the end. Uh, so I'm hopeful that Miko is going to be much better for game two. I think that he should probably, and I'm, my hunch is that he will start the game on the line with, with, uh, with the big three again, the, the three headed monster, I think will be reunited. We'll see, but I think that's the way to go. Uh, I think you can't be too fine right now with trying to balance things out and trying to, you know, play that game of, okay, we don't want to throw all our eggs in one basket. Well, when you're, Three games away from your senior ending, you've got to start throwing eggs into a basket. 
and going with that to market. And uh, so I, that's what I think will happen. Uh, Rantman, you know, it's again, though, the thing that worried me about him a little bit last night wasn't so much the conditioning, but it was like, why did he look so tentative and sort of nervous? Um, he's got to be an aggressor out there. And he's, he's Miko Rantman. You know, he had 87 points in 74 games. And yet it just seemed like he was afraid to go around the pocket times in those first two periods. So, you know, he's got to realize that he's one of the best players in the league and, uh, and go out there and just dominate, you know, just impose that will on people. I mean, they, they can't, people can't handle his size and skill. So so go out there and just do it again, Miko. Listen, uh, the, 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 third, the third segment of here I want to mostly focus on uh, on spinning forward. Now, uh, but, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Semyon Varlamov here in the third. And not, not so much about Varlamov, but the whole goaltending t- goal situation in general. And, uh, and, the, and the Varley situation is, is unique in the sense that, you know, this is a guy who's been around since 2011. He's been the Avalanche starting goalie for almost the whole time. Um, and yet here he is on the bench to start this, the playoffs looking at Philip Grubauer. Uh, as we heard in the, from Bednar earlier on in the, in the podcast, he thought uh, Grubauer played well enough for him to to warrant a start in game two. So that's what's going to happen. Uh, I thought Grubauer was really good early on. He, he was sharp. I mean, the first goal, I mean, I, I blame it more on the defense and the forwards falling down all around him than, than Gruby. Uh, the second goal wasn't as fall. It was a tip. Third goal, yeah, it kind of went right through him. You know, there's a lot of traffic in front of that, though. Calgary did better job of putting traffic in front of the net of Gruby than the Avalanche did. The Avalanche were, you know... And isn't it ironic, too? I mean, didn't we talk about this on previous podcasts? Like, the Avalanche finally get all healthy for this game, and they get shut out. <laughs> and yet, when they had... A team without Landy or Miko, you know, they they went eight one and two without those guys. They didn't all miss those games together, but they they were one of those two guys was out for every one of those last eleven games, and uh, and the Avs went eight one and two. They get healthy again, they get shut out. Something I always worry about as a, as an observer of sports, you know, when the team gets their best guys back, I always feel like the, maybe that's you know the other guys are gonna go like, okay, we don't have to work anymore. You know, we'll let the big guys do it, and that's what—that's kind of the, the the way the team looked last night, right? They just sort of seemed like the lesser guys are just kind of standing around looking at the bigger guys, and the bigger guys were looking around at the smaller guys, saying, "Okay, why aren't why aren't you working as hard as you did without us?" And uh, and they got what they got last night. Um, I thought that the you know Avalanche played with real. Smarts and desperation down the stretch without those guys. And last night they looked like a team that got flustered early, got a little outworked, and then before you knew it, it was like, oh, well, I guess we're we're done, you know. And uh, they got taken out of their game. You know, the, you can tell when the Avalanche are taken out of their game when they're just sort of not very physically engaged. They're just kind of sort of reacting and not proactive. Uh, that's the way they were last night for mo- too much of the game. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, look, uh, am I saying the, the way the, the key to success is to have Landy or Rin and go out again? No, but the one of the, one of the things you always worried about was that the Avalanche would shrink back to their old selves once they got their big guys back. And, and for one game, at least, that's what happened. Uh, they've got to put on their work boots and pretend like they're shorthanded, but also, you know, they're not shorthanded. They have enough talent to beat the Calgary Flames. They need to just, uh, you know, stop looking around and thinking, okay, we're fine now with all this talent. Talent is proven that this team doesn't win on talent. Uh, they work, they win on, you know, uh, proving people wrong, showing people that they're better than they are, they think they are. But strangely, though, when the Avalanche do start getting all this press and thinking that people people start thinking they really are good, they somehow always take the foot off the gas. They don't have the killer instinct still as a team that I think they need. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know what needs to happen for that to, to take place, but it's still the case. So, you know, in a way... They're, you know, in a in the place where they usually do well in a game like Tuesday uh, tomorrow night game two. You know, everybody's <laughs> gonna start thinking Calgary's gonna roll away with this thing, but you know, that's when they usually Avalanche strike. So, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a win in game two. Uh, it's gonna be Grubauer in net. Semyon Varlamov is um, not happy that he's not playing. Yet he is realistic about it. He knows he got his job stolen from him by Grubauer, Gruby. And he's a big boy. He can accept that. But as the interview that you'll hear, only about a minute and a half, makes clear, and for more depth to it, I encourage you to click on my story about that interview and about Varley in general. Uh, you know, it's clear that... Uh, he is sort of a forgotten man, you know. He's he's the guy. He's the guy who's been the number one goalie for for eight years. Who all of a sudden finds himself, you know, basically out of a job, and he doesn't know where he's going to be three months from now or when his contract runs out. And uh, I would characterize Varley as definitely in a period of, uh, you know, uh, nervous uncertainty. You know, he doesn't know where he's going to be. And he wants to come back, I think, but he also thinks maybe this team doesn't want me anymore. So it's a tough situation. I think you'll hear a little bit of that in Varley's voice here. That's all I can say. Yeah. That's it, huh? That's it. <laughs> Very short uh, answer. <laughs> okay. Every goalie would uh, tell you the same thing. Nobody likes to sit in the bench. Philip would say the same thing, right? Yeah. I don't know. Ask Philip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little more Yeah. You hate it, and that's. But uh, we don't know when things will change. I guess that's the way it goes, huh? Um, yeah. I, you know, to be honest with you, I just want to feel it to play uh, great and then be successful, you know? Yeah. And then uh, I want this team to win and then uh, go next round. And then, uh, I mean, I'm rooting for this team. I, I try to be supportive as I can, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, it's, it's tough, right? I know you're a competitive guy. Uh, you said before you want to come back. I still ask you that question. Has anything changed? Uh, if I want to come back, where? 
here. Avalanche. I mean, I don't have a contract uh, yeah. for next year. We'll see how things goes uh, this summer in, in summertime. But right now, like, I don't even want to talk about it or bring this up because uh, we're in the playoffs and, yeah. then, uh, you know, the playoffs, that's all that matters, like, at this point. Okay. Um, you know, I cannot be selfish and think about just me. Right. If I'm playing or not playing, like I, like I just said, like, I hate sitting on the bench, but it is what it is. Uh, um, I support this team, I support like uh, Philip, and uh, I wish him to play great, you know? Yeah, clearly not a guy who uh, <laughs> is a barrel of laughs these days. And Semi and Barlamov's got a pretty good life, he's been making $5.9 million a year for the last five years to be a goalie. Uh, he's only 30. He'll be 31 on April 27th, so a couple weeks. But, you know, I mean, gosh, look at Mike Smith. He's 37, still getting it done. So Marley could play another decade here. It's, uh, it seems like it could be coming to an end, though, in Colorado. And that's – I think it looks like the writing's on the wall here. I mean, I've heard conflicting things about the Avalanche's plans for him. At one point, I think, this season, the Avs were entertaining a uh, – a contract extension, a new offer for him. Um, it didn't happen. It wasn't finalized. I don't know where things stand now in any negotiations. Pretty typically in, uh, in the NHL, in the playoffs, there's like no contract talks with any players. You're not going to do any extensions. Occasionally it happens, but it's not going to happen much. Cal McCarr <laughs> could, be, could be signing with the Avs. As early as Sunday, we'll we'll talk about that next week. I don't have a strong opinion either way right now on that. By the way, I think it's going to largely depend on the score of the series. So I think Saturday's game is going to matter a lot. But anyway, we're not going to talk about Bakar on this podcast that much. Uh, you know, Farley is uh, out of a job. You know, he's lost his starting job. The only way he's going to play in this playoffs is if Grubauer just totally. Turns into a sieve, or he gets hurt. Either way, you know it's going to be bad news for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, and uh, you know I think Varley is just sort of realistic now. The fact that you know, this could be it for him. He may never play again for this team, and uh, I feel like he feels awkward about that. Uh, I sat next to him in the locker room today, and it it definitely feels like he's. Know, aware of that and he's dealing with it and it's tough for him and as, as he said you know I hate sitting on the bench well that's that's the brutal world of NHL goaltending and in general you know you can lose your job pretty quick in this business and uh, so he knows it he's not pouting he's not saying bad stuff behind anybody's back he's not ripping the coach he's just uh you know, he wishes he could play but uh if he's not playing he does he says all the right things he's wishing grooby the best he wants his team to win and uh you know i'm sure he would you know l- love having a stanley cup championship in colorado even if he didn't play a game i'm sure he would take that over the alternative that said he uh, is not happy not playing. So, tough situation there. It's never fun for the backup in any sport, you know. But, uh, you know, the fa- fact is, Varley uh, did not seize the reins when he had it 
late in the year, and uh, there was an opening there for Gruby to, to, to take those reins, and he did. And, you know, that's that's life. So um, that said, Gruby could pull a groin and warm up tomorrow night, and we could, <laughs> we could have Farley as the goalie, and maybe he stands on his head, and we're all saying, here's Farley again, and what a, what a story that is. You never know in this business. So that's probably going to do it for the BSN Avalanche podcast on a Friday. I'm going to go back to the Airbnb here, which is uh, $65 a night. Penthouse apartment, basically in the south part of town. So I'm right here on McLeod Trail and Mission Road. Nice place. Uh, believe me, uh, Airbnb has become a great thing for me in my life. After a disastrous first couple times staying in them, they've all been great. And uh, I want to thank you for all listening. We still have a, a good sale going on. Buy a yearly subscription. Get a free T-shirt of your choice from the Avalanche, BSN Avalanche, uh, BSN Never Merch Store. You can choose any one you want. The McKinnon shirt, the Rantanen shirt, the Three-Headed Monster shirt, the Groovy shirt. I mean, that Groovy shirt would be a great shirt to wear for Game 3. Uh, I'm sure you can get it delivered to you in time for Game 3. It's the uh, Groob in a brick wall format on our shirt. It's a good-looking shirt. Groovy steals game two. That's going to be a hot, hot seller and a, a fashionable thing to wear for game three. So, so check it out. Go to bsndenver.com. Look at all our deals. We've always got a deal for you. We appreciate you as readers. We appreciate you as listeners. We would not exist without you. And I do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for allowing us to keep doing this. So that's going to wrap it up. Let's uh, let's throw it over to our man Jesse to take us out. Uh, we want to thank you, thank you to Total Beverage Doc, to Total Beverage for being a sponsor of this podcast. TotalBev.com. Throw in the BSN code, the discount code BSN10. Get yourself ten dollars off. Delivery of fifty dollars more to your door. That that price will go to fifty dollars to forty dollars. Beverages delivered right to your door, folks. You can't beat that. Stop into the stores. Also in Westminster. Thornton, tell them agents said hi. And uh, and uh, say hi to manager Rick Morgan, too, at the Thornton store. Tell them agents sent you. He's probably, he'll give you a good deal on something just because you said that. Trust me. All right, my folks, thanks for listening. We're going to take it on out here. We'll talk to you next week. Monday, game three, we'll be from the Pepsi Center doing the podcast. Jesse, AJ, and myself. Thanks for listening. Another great week of the BSN Analyze podcast. We'll send you out now. Good night now, folks.